And joining us now via the phone line is Tim Fitzgerald, editor of GoPowerCat.com. Fitz, can you hear me? I got you, brother. Sounds good. Um, first of all, were you as excited during that game as I was and I feel like the rest of K-State Nation was? It felt like that was the most fun that we've had watching a K-State basketball game in a very long time. Yeah, it was the most uh, competitive wire-to-wire. You know, even those wins they had against TCU and Oklahoma, um, you know, those were good finishes. You know what I mean? Iowa State was a good good game. They kind of held that one, held on to that one, but Iowa State stinks. Uh, you know, it, this one, though, felt complete against a really, really good team. Um, and I don't mean complete because they lost, but it felt like it they competed from early to end. And even when they could break, they didn't break. They didn't give up. Uh, you know, and I don't there's so many ways you can measure this season. But I think when you take a group of guys that have been through what they've gone through this season, and God, it's had a suck. I mean, this this season's just had a be awful to experience. It's been awful for fans. Can you imagine being part of it? To never give up and go down literally to the final seconds of your last game of the season against the second-ranked team fighting. I mean, I think it says a lot about these kids, and I was really impressed with their effort. So, Fitz, uh, I'm curious to ask, where do you see these guys You know, ending up next year? You know, all these guys have been battle-tested this far uh, in a crazy COVID year. How does that help them You know, going forward? Well, first, they better end up in Manhattan. I mean, that's – seriously, they – He's got to keep this group together. And, um, you know, there's talk about him retiring. It's been been flying around the coaching circles for quite a while, and I've been aware of that. Finally hit Twitter this week with someone out in Maryland, a really weird place for it to appear, but I'm, I'm, I'm positive it came out of the coaching circles, that rumor. We've addressed it to our subscribers and what we think is going on. Um, but no matter what, these, these young guys have to come back. Whether it's Bruce Weber or someone else, he, he has to try to keep this group together for the sake of the program. Because if, if you lose, I could list off four guys. I'm going to do it. Nigel Pack, Davion Bradford, easy. Selton Miguel and Dejuan Gordon. If you lose one of those guys, what's this season been about? I mean, it's been about a rebuild. And if, if parts of the foundation get up and leave, then you're rebuilding again next year. So it's really essential that they come back. It's essential they have a really good off season. I think the way they finished winning four out of six and being competitive in all six really gives them a lot of momentum. I'm one of them. I'm pretty fired up to get after it. I'm fired up to improve the things that obviously are wrong with my game, whether it's scoring or rebounding or conditioning, whatever it is. And Bruce Weber's got to add more parts. This team isn't good enough right now. They don't have enough scores. And he's mentioned they don't have enough ball handlers and passers and scores. How the heck they won four out of six with none of that? Um, is pretty remarkable. So uh, if he's going to have anyone transfer, which I expect, I expect some guys that didn't play much to transfer. It's the guys that played a lot you don't want to transfer. He gets a couple openings. He needs to get into that transfer portal and go find some guys that can help this team next year, probably a power forward and a combo guard, and, uh, you know, really add some pieces to the puzzle that are missing right now. And if you get a full buy-in again next year, they, they could be pretty good. Now, they're talking about winning the Big 12 next season. That might be getting a little bit ahead of schedule, but they can't be much better than they were this season. And honestly, with what's happened the last two years, Bruce Weber needs 
to be 500 or so in Big 12 play next season. I felt like watching this team today, uh, especially you know when they take the lead in the second half, I'm sitting there with um, with Ryan, and, and I turn to him and I say, this is a tournament team. This team that is playing right now, forget the record, the team that played, that took the lead 47-46 to on Baylor, that is a tournament team. Now, is there obviously a lot of question marks? Yes. But who is going to be that third guy? Because I look at the roster right now, and we were just talking about this before you hopped on. Is it going to be Dejuan Gordon? Is it going to be somebody else? Because you have your Davion Bradford and you have your Nigel Pack. Especially if Mike McGurl comes back next year. If Mike McGurl is your fourth best scoring option, you're going to be so much better than you are this year. Assuming that you mentioned that core stays intact, who do you think is going to be that third scoring option? Probably needs to be someone new. To be real blunt, it, Mike McGurl isn't a natural scorer. And I appreciate everything Mike's done this year, and he's had some big games. Uh, but he, he just doesn't consistently score. Um, he's taken a lot of shots that didn't need to be taken, some out of necessity because someone's got to take a shot. And, you know, some like into the first half today. Mike, that you could have gotten a better shot than that. Um, if Mike comes back, he needs to understand that it's entirely possible he has a greatly diminished role on the team next year because for this team to be better, they got to recruit over the top of it. they got to go find another combo guard. That's better than Mike McGurl. And that's the simple truth of any coaching profession. You need to go find kids that are better than the ones you had to improve your team. Pretty simple in the math way right there. So they probably need to find someone that can really add some scoring punch, maybe a more natural score um, off the bounce, because Nigel Pack and Davion Bradford are pretty damn good. Son Miguel has something about his game. The same with Dejuan Gordon, but in some ways they're the same guy. They're, they're dribble penetrators like to shoot the three but aren't ready to do it they're not equipped to do it they can dish it off and they defend really well and if if those two guys are in your rotation that's really good news but they got to go find a four the loss of antonio gordon who we think is done and gone and and in the transfer portal pretty soon is really bad for the team he he was starting to come into his own so go find a real score go find a power forward that can get you rebounds and points and then we'll talk i mean then i think they're going to be pretty good but uh, yeah, I think the third option, because, man, you hit it. You guys hit it. Be a good team, you got to have three dudes. you got to have three dudes. And Baylor has them. They're all guards, but Baylor has them. you got to have three to be a really good team. And, uh, you know, K-State really hasn't had that consistently. Even when uh, they had the big three, Kamal Stokes wasn't a very consistent scorer. So they need to go find someone that can fill it up. So transitioning here a little bit, I have been a very outspoken on everything that's going on right now down I-70 in Lawrence, Kansas, with the athletic department and with the football coaching position, with the AD position. Fitz, what the heck is going on in Lawrence, Kansas right now? Well, you know how you slow down on the highway, not just to be safe, but to get a good look at the car wreck? We're all, like, going 10 miles an hour right now and checking it out. It's it's just a train wreck it's amazing how bad it is i mean i mentioned this on uh, one of our daily delivery videos the chancellor's having problems he's got he's up against the faculty senate that is wanting to do a no confidence vote ad just got fired football coach just got fired and the basketball program your bread and butter not just of your athletic department 
in some ways, your entire institution is under serious investigation, and it could get hammered. Uh, I I can't imagine how beleaguered KU fans are. Because, oh, by the way, this might be the last season before sanctions hit. Now David McCormick and another player are out of the Big 12 tournament with contact tracing. What What a mess. Baseball coach gets a DUI. What is going on? It's just like, uh, you know what? As a K-Stater, it's, it's glorious entertainment. See, I, I, I'm of the belief where I kind of I feel bad for the football team because, you know, if you're a kid, you get, are getting a Division One offer and a Power 5 offer, and you're sold on this idea that you're going to go to Kansas, you're going to play, and you're going to win. And then you don't, and so what do kids do nowadays? They transfer. And so when you transfer, you might end up at a JUCO. How many times have we seen kids end up at a non-Power 5 school and never even play? That happens all the time at Kansas. So I feel bad for the football program, but I don't feel bad for Les Miles. I don't feel bad for Jeff Long. I mean, does this have any more implications other than just the school? Is there any Big 12 implications? Are we going to see something else major happen with this conference or is, is there is there any other repercussions you think i don't think so i mean that basketball program has such value that they can be absolutely awful in football um if that gets really devalued they're in big trouble but be careful what you wish for because if basketball gets devalued they might actually get serious about getting better at football i mean it's it's hard to be really good at both of them but it's an accomplishment to be really bad at both of them. And they might get a little more locked in. The next coach might be the right guy. Les Miles recruited better. He was he was hired to do two things, recruit better, rebuild the roster for the future, and help fundraise. I don't know how the fundraising went, but he put some good pieces in place for you know the, the future. may not be next season or the season after that, but they've got a foundation of recruiting. And so far it sounds like the recruits, for whatever reason, are going to stick through this. I'm not sure why, but, you know, that's that's a, a commentary on them because uh, you're right, Cole, they, they get up and leave nowadays. Kids just get up and head to a greener pasture that doesn't turn out to be that green. So uh, I think, uh, you know, the Big 12 will go through whatever it needs to go through. If it's expansion or trying to defend from being having more school, schools stolen in the future, but um, I think Kansas will be part of that. From a six, from a non-successful football program to a successful program, uh, you talk about greener pastures, literally greener pastures here in Manhattan, Kansas, with spring football obviously underway. Um, have you heard anything special about what's going on down there at the Veneer Complex? What's the word with the football practices so far? I really haven't. I mean, there are just a few in, and those first two are non-padded, so they're, you know, a lot of drills and, you know, just going through conditioning and, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff. There's no hitting. I think I'm really surprised that Skylar Thompson is supposedly throwing the ball well. He's going to be non-contact all spring for good reason, but he's way ahead of schedule. If it really was a torn pectoralis muscle, that's a six-month recovery, and he's nowhere near six months. And Chris Kleiman said he's chucking it around pretty good. When I did a, a kind of a checklist of ten things to keep an eye on in spring football, I was really impressed with some of the depth they have at some positions that fans may not fully appreciate. They're, they're incredibly deep along the offensive line, deeper than I ever remember them being. And there's going to be some guys that started in 2020 that may not start in 2021. And, you know, they lost Wyatt Hubert at defensive end, but they still got about six guys that can play at defensive end. 
And they added a couple transfers on the back end of that defense, and I think their secondary has a chance to be really good. Yeah, there's some questions about the interior, the defensive tackle, the linebackers. There's some questions, of course, about the receivers. But there's a chance this team could be pretty good. This is a huge season. Year three is always a big season for a new coach. I mean, this team is capable of being 4-8 and eight or 10-2, and two, and it'll fall somewhere in between, but that's a, that's a big area to fall into. And I've been saying seven and five, uh, but uh, anything above five hundred is going to be a plus for K State football. All right, so we're kind of jumping all over the place here, Fitz. So I got one more question for you. Right now in the studio, we currently have Kansas and Oklahoma on, and I believe OU scored fifteen points in the first half. So if you picked OU to win the Big Twelve tournament, uh, that's probably not going to happen. Who wins the Big Twelve tournament this weekend? It's got to be Baylor, doesn't it? That's what I, I mean. Would. You know, the thing is, is so I think the second-best team right now in the conference in terms of how they're playing is Oklahoma State, and they have to go through – Baylor has to meet Oklahoma State tomorrow. It's it's really amazing. I, I don't have the game on. I'm just astonished at how bad Oklahoma's become. It's that I mean, when they came to Manhattan, they were ranked eighth in the country, K-State wins, and they've gone in the crapper. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been awful. So um, I think – yeah, as a compliment, I think Bruce Weber might have put something on film on how to stop Oklahoma and Austin Reeves, and everyone's doing a good job of replicating it. I thought Joe Lenardi still has Oklahoma as a six seed, and I don't get it. I mean, they should be in an 8-9 game and earn their way to play a number one seed. There you have it. Fitz, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. I shall. You boys have a good weekend. Thank you. we Will do. That was GoPowerCat.com editor and my boss, Tim Fitzgerald. Ryan, what do you think? Takeaways. Uh, <clears throat> um, I, I I like where Fitz is thinking. I mean, he's he's more focused on getting everybody back uh, when it comes to next year for K-State basketball. I like the way he put it also uh, with KU, fo- KU football or KU <laughs> athletics. Just everybody's driving real slow. Yeah, KU athletics is a grade-A dumpster fire right now, and it's uh, – I think it's just the beginning. Uh, I think the sanctions with the basketball team are, are sure to come here soon, hopefully. I mean, they've been talking about them since I was a sophomore in high school. Seems so like it. Some, someday they're going to rain down on KU, but who knows when the, whoever's investigating them will. He talked about fundraising. Just ask Adidas how to fundraise, and they'll tell you how to fundraise. <laughs> that's that's. I don't know if that's necessarily the fundraising you want to do. That's... That's how you end up. That, that's what K State cannot do. See, we we if we if we ever leave Nike, we're screwed if we go to Adidas because it's their fault. Maybe it is their fault. There you go. I'll, I'll take it. Um, so, moving along here, the Chiefs did something very interesting this morning. I woke up to a text from someone who's a notable Chiefs hater, Ryan. He's more of a Chiefs hater than you, actually. So that takes a lot of skill. And it said, "Schwartz and Fisher gone?" Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. With the laughing emoji. And so what do I do? I immediately open up Twitter, and what do I see? Ah, Chiefs release. Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Ryan, do you agree with moves on a strictly football standpoint? Because I want to see what you think about those guys as someone who's a fan of a division rival. Did you ever think of those guys as being good offensive tackles? Well, I mean, uh... I thought kind of thought Eric Fisher was a bust uh, early on in his career, um, and then these last few years, especially in the Super Bowl, you saw how important he was to that offensive line unit. But um, 
at the same time, they were it was a bad unit overall. Um, and it was time to make changes. Now, getting rid of both of your tackles, your starting tackles with with game experience, it's a bold call. Um, uh, I I don't I don't understand at all. What's wh- why why get rid of both tackles? You know how hard it is to go out and find a, a good tackle in the draft, and especially a good tackle in free agency. And what are the odds you're going to get two that can come yeah. in and play? So I mean, you're going to have to work with a project at least at one tackle position. Yeah. I, I think you're setting yourself up for a long shot. I don't I don't know I don't understand it. So I understand where the Chiefs are coming from with Mitchell Schwartz because he had back surgery. He felt I felt like he hadn't played hardly at all in the whole entire season. So I understand where you're coming from with Mitchell Schwartz. He's older. He's he's older than Fisher. And I understand wanting to move on from him. I really do. And I was surprised by Eric Fisher. I'm not going to lie. You know, obviously he tore his Achilles in the um, AFC Championship game, but he was still going to be ready for the you know week one. So I was a little surprised about that move. But also the Chiefs are ahead of the gap, or they're oh excuse me they're over the cap right now. So one thing that has been floated out there is trading Chris Jones because it would free up a lot of cap space. And I don't think that's going to happen now with the release of Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. That's not going to happen. So where do the Chiefs go from here? Um, they drafted an offensive tackle in the second round last year. He opted out. Uh, from TCU. His name escapes me right now. Um, I believe it's Lucas Niang, I think, actually. Lucas Niang is his name. So that's one guy. But you can't you can't expect somebody who just took a whole year off of football to come in and start in the NFL as a rookie. So that's not realistic. No, but at the same time, when you've been in the league for nine, ten years, you don't really have as long as, a le- uh, as, long of a leash as you do when you first come in. So, I mean, it's kind of if you're – you just had back surgery. That's Back surgery is a big deal. It is a big deal. Especially in the NFL. I mean, it's – the only other thing that I think is bigger is like an ACL or a, but for uh, an, an Achilles. Al- for an offensive lineman, though, I mean, back is almost mm-hmm. you could argue more important than an Achilles. Either way, both of these injuries to both of these players are big deals, especially at this time in their career. Uh, I mean, they're both they're roughly the one of them is like one year older than the other. I was gonna like look it up and prove a point that they weren't, but dang it, they got me. Um, it. It makes sense with the injuries and everything, but I just don't don't get it as to why they're cleaning the whole slate at the same time. Yeah, like I I, I can see it because you you got two old heads that are getting towards the end of their career. Injuries are piling up, but keep Eric Fisher around or whoever you thought was better. My yeah. preference was Eric Fisher. Whoever you thought was better, keep one of them around at least. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that, um, but you know they think they have a plan. And there's a the one thing about uh, this year is that the tackle position in the NFL draft is absolutely loaded. Um, I saw a report from NFL draft, Mac Miller, or not Mac Miller, um, (laughs) Mark Miller, I believe is his name. Rest in peace, Mac Miller. Um, Seven offensive tackles in the first two rounds that he graded out. So that's good if you're a Chiefs fan. That just basically, to me, it just says the Chiefs are going to pick an offensive lineman. With yeah, I mean, you kind of have to, but, I mean, hey, everybody had a plan. Hey, the Texans had a plan drafting Deshaun Watson. But what, 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 when, and you're leading me to my next point. We'll talk about that in a second. Also, Trent Williams, another mm-hmm. uh, another great offensive tackle is on the market. There's that one, lots of offensive that, linemen on I the don't, market. Trent Williams is the guy that he went – he was the play that – or Washington, right? Correct. Okay. I I think you, you're made, making a mistake there if you're well, going to go to Trent Williams – I'm just. I know you were just throwing that name out yeah. there, but man, Trent Williams is like two or three years older than he is older than. Because uh, I remember he was like a prime tackle when in the league when Eric Fisher was right. just getting drafted. Yeah, no. So there's it, lots of options. Also, getting LDT Laurent Duvernay Tardif back to play guard. If they really want Andrew Wiley still on the team, he can slide him out to tackle. He obviously 
uh, did not fare very well in the Super Bowl out there, but uh, that's definitely something to monitor. So, yeah, offensive line is not always the sexiest thing to talk about, but the Chiefs did make some roster moves today, so it felt like it was important. And, Ryan, you mentioned Deshaun Watson, and that's where I want to go now. Is he going to stay in Houston? Because the head coach came out today and said, Deshaun Watson will be our quarterback. But Deshaun Watson has said, I don't, I'm not going to be here. I'm not playing. I don't, I mean, what, what's going to happen? Please tell me because I'll, I have no idea. Will, will the Houston Texans allow someone who they're paying millions of dollars to to just sit out? Because, like, I mean, he, he's in a position right now where he can say, I've already made a lot of money. I'll just retire. Yeah. I mean, he literally is in that position. He's, he's basically pulling an Elway and saying, I'm going to go play baseball, but his baseball is going and living the rest of his life in paradise. But I, uh, no, I'm, me personally, I don't think he ever will play in, in a Houston Texans. And I think the only person on this planet that does think that he's going to play in a Houston Texans jersey again is the coach or the and the general manager of the Houston Texans. Yeah. Because you, he's ex- outwardly expressed that he doesn't want to be there anymore. You've let all of his friends go. I mean, you're literally, just, you're all just of them. Sh- shipping people away at this point for nothing. So, what's one more? Restart, rebuild. T- call Bruce Weber if you know how to rebuild. Okay, <laughs> but still, ship him off. Get everything you can because if you let it go too long, you're gonna screw up and you're gonna do what the Rockies did, and you're gonna get about fifty million dollars for one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So, don't. Ju- this isn't something you take your time with. This is something that you snap on the opportunity. Get. Two, three first rounders, or some something crazy trade. Make it happen. It's going to happen. Make history. Make it happen because Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be there. Where's he going to go? Denver, man. Hold on. Wait. Where's he going to go? Denver. That's. I've been saying. I've been saying that since like week one. That's a hot take. Denver. I think he's going to end up in a Jets uniform. I think they have the draft capital to trade for him. Um, I think Deshaun Watson in New York would be so fun, and I would love to see Josh Allen. And Deshaun Watson battle for the AFC. Now I would love to see Patrick Mahomes. I was gonna say you're really gonna like want him in your own division. Would you scared? No, that would chicken. That would be so fun, dude. That I'm telling you, that would be amazing. So Deshaun Watson trade rumors. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he stays in Houston either. Like I said, I think he ends up in a Jets uniform. But I found it was fascinating that the head coach came out and said that today. It's just like. You dropped the hot really? take alarm or alert or buzzer, whatever you got over there. You dropped that way too early. You should have put that as soon as the you dropped that the general manager thinks he's going to play there. Because that is like berserk, Bolivia. Like, give me a break. Really? We all got he Twitter. We there. all got SportsCenter. We know what he says. He's not playing there. And for, the, for, for Houston to think that, they got to get something checked out because uh, th- that's not going to happen from one young player to another young player. Ryan, are you aware of the name Bobby Witt Jr.? Nah, I just read it in our rundown a little bit ago, but that was about it, honestly. I uh, I haven't really heard a lot about him. I know he plays. He's a, he's a prospect in the Royals organization. Something tells me he's doing really well right now, or we wouldn't be talking about him, though. Bobby Witt Jr. is arguably the top prospect in baseball. He was the number two overall draft pick behind Adley Rutschman a few years ago. Yeah. Bobby Witt Jr.'s dad, Bobby Witt Sr., pitched for the Texas Rangers. Now, if you're not familiar with Bobby Witt Jr., Bobby Witt Jr. plays the infield. Who do the Royals have on the infield right now? A man by the name of Adalberto Mondesi, who was also formerly known as Raul Mondesi, whose dad, Raul Mondesi Sr., played in the big leagues. See where I'm going with this? No, I really don't. Two infielders that can be superstars. 
Both of their dads played professional baseball. Are you, is something else ringing a bell? Maybe another Kansas City sports icon right now whose dad played professional baseball? There it is. There it is. Number 15, Patrick Mahomes I, of the I'm, Kansas City Chiefs. I'm familiar Chiefs. of him. I'm pretty sure somebody here is Are you picking up what I'm fan. putting down with Bobby Witt I'm Jr.? I'm scooping what you're pooping here. Relax now. Bobby Witt Jr. has the most potential of any Kansas City athlete since Patrick Mahomes, and that comparison was made on draft night. I specifically remember in that June night watching the draft, they picked Bobby Witt Jr., and Jim Bowden of MLB.com gets on there and says, he can do for the Royals what Patrick Mahomes did for the Chiefs. And everybody goes, whoa, wow, wow. And it's like, yeah, and even me, I was like, okay, that is a stretch. You watch this kid play, Ryan, he's going up against big leaguers. He's hitting nukes. He's going up against big leaguers. He's getting singles. Bobby Bobby Wood Jr. is a bona fide stud. And Danny Duffy last year said, Bobby Wood Jr. is the greatest baseball player of all time. Now, whoa, obviously whoa. joking. Oh, no, that's like saying KC is going to be number one player. All right, We all know the number one baseball player of all time is, and that's easy. But Bobby Wood Jr. is looking. I mean, you said it yourself, playing against major leaguers, 480-foot nuke. And that's just spring training. But for the guys like Bobby Wood Jr., this is those are who spring training mean, means something for. It's not for uh, Fernando Tatis and all the big names that you're going to see down the line uh, at, at games 180 and 100 and down in the playoffs. This is for prospects to come in and make their name. And Bobby Wood Jr. Bo- Bobby Wood Jr. is doing exactly that. Um, I'm not. I'm, how long until you? Th- how long do you think until he is called up? Do you think he makes an opening day spot? Well, that's what people are talking about, and I will tell you that it was absolutely unfathomable that Bobby Witt would be starting the year in the big leagues. If you were to ask him um, at the start of this spring training, people a lot of th- people think he would start in A ball, maybe even Double A, if he's you know, really starting off, I think he's going to end up in double-A. But you can make an argument that he deserves to be the opening day second baseman of the Royals. Right now, he has 24 at-bats. He has 18 hits, 7 runs scored, 2 home runs, 6 RBIs. He's hitting 333 360 on base. Um, you said, Hold on, you said 18 for 24? 8 for 24. 8 for 24. With 2 okay. home runs. I was going to say, that's some, that's some Elmer potential right there. But That is definitely, wow. yes. Uh, created player video game like numbers for 18 or for 24, but 8 for 24 just as just as good. Um, yeah, I think Bobby Witt is um, he's going to be great, and I don't think he's going to start the year in the, in the big leagues. But I think the Royals need to look at this and say, okay, how do we manage his development, but also wanting to win? The Royals are in; they have been outspoken. They want to win now. Well, but you, you with especially with guys like these, you can't get too antsy and, and bring them up too early. But if he is the most talented, you know that they think at that position, yeah. Why wouldn't you put him there? I mean, it, I, makes you, it almost makes you wonder why isn't he there right now? Like why hasn't he? Why isn't he already up there? I mean, I because it's well, I, I don't think that they want to do it because service time a, b it's like okay, you know you have to look at it from another perspective here. There's another guy, like I just mentioned, Alberto Mondesi. He came up when he was 20 years old. Did you know he's the only Major League Baseball player in the history of baseball to make their debut in a World Series? I did not know that. Yep. He made his debut in Game 5, 4. Game 4 of the World Series in New York. Got a pinch hit um, at bat. Yeah, so... Wow, I did not know that actually. And then he came up. That you should have saved that. Dude. That's like your crazy stat. That kind of blew my mind. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. Um, he came up, and then 2016, 2017 struggled, back and forth between the minor leagues. 
Adalberto Mondesi is only 25 years old, and it feels like he's been around for forever. The Royals don't want to have that happen to Bobby Witt Jr. When Bobby Witt comes up to the major leagues, he needs to be there for good. So if I'm the Royals, I don't care what happens. I don't care if Bobby Witt Jr. hits 400 the rest of the spring. You put him down in AA, and if he ends the season in AAA and he's lighting the world on fire and you think he's ready, then you call him up. But so you don't you don't think we see uh, you don't think we see him this year? I t- my gut says no, but if the Royals are competing and they want an upgrade and they feel like internally, I think if there's any chance that you know if they're going to make a playoff push, he's, he's going to be on the roster. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if that if like I said, if they think that he is ready, they're not going to hold him back. We've seen that with the pitchers. It's just so different when you got a guy, a position player who's so young. I mean. He doesn't turn 21 until June. So this kid is literally a kid. And he's, he's, he's my age, at least. Like, yeah. He's not your age, but, I mean, that's that's one thing that gets me is these guys that are my age, your age, like crazy young still. Yeah. Lighten it up. Well, and that's what Danny Duffy's like. When I was 20, I wasn't even thinking about it. Hunter Dozier's like, when I was 20, I was third string at Stephen F. Austin, you know. And, mm-hmm. and it's like that's why you know Bobby Wood Jr. is special because he's doing this at such a young age. He's going to be good. There's no doubt about it. It's how good is he going to be. I saw somebody that was like, just sign him to a massive contract extension and get him cheap now. It's like, okay, well, you're getting a little ahead of yourself with that. But I think he can be just as good as he wants to be. And it's exciting to know that the Royals have a star potentially in the making um, with Bobby Witt. And I'm excited to watch his development. Uh, Another guy that I'm excited to watch with his development this year with the Royals. And Ryan, I'm curious. What do you think about this as well? Um, Wade Davis. I, I, maybe not development, but, I mean, he, all signs um, point to Wade Davis making this Royals team. And Gerard Dyson also just recently signed a contract with the Royals. He made his spring debut yesterday. So from that team, they've all, from the for the past two years, the Royals have brought back Greg Holland, Wade Davis, Gerard Dyson, and they were all part of the team that won the World Series. What's your take on not just the Royals, but teams in general getting – veterans in that have championship experience. Do you think guys that have won championships and maybe are a little bit older, do you think they held some value more than what do they just bring to the field? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Wade Davis isn't going to go out and he's not going to shove like he used to back in the day, but he's got, he's like you said, he's been to a championship. He's been around the block. He's got knowledge for these guys to, to soak in, and, and he can help these guys in a lot of ways. It's kind of like you see it. Uh, take Eli Manning, for example. He was at the top of his game, and then game started regressing. They draft Daniel Jones. He stuck around for a year. Yeah, he played in some spots because he still had the talent, but he was mainly there as a as a life coach for Daniel Jones, somebody young. So these guys that Wade Davis is around now, he can they can be he can coach them, he can help them, and maybe he can turn them around as to oppose if he wasn't there. So I I like um I mean I'm not a personal fan of Wade Davis, but I I believe in in bringing in um old heads as I call them, but. Uh, bring him in, and because they do have a certain knowledge that some guys, even even the guys that were once the best in the game, but you know they never made a World Series. They don't have the a World Series knowledge is hard to come by. It is, and and that's why I think that the Royals are going to be in position to be better this year because they bring in guys with World Series experience. Wade Davis, as as I mentioned, now you bring in Gerard Dyson, you bring in Carlos Santana, another one of those guys who made the World Series with the Cleveland Indians. Andrew Benintendi obviously won a World Series. You're bringing in guys that have playoff experience, and that's something that this young team hasn't had. So I think that's interesting. Do you think, though, it's different for baseball as opposed to, like, you know, football and basketball? I mean, 
I feel like for baseball, one guy doesn't make as big of a difference as it would in basketball and even football, really. I mean, I really like this these signings, and I think that they're going to pay off, but do you think it's different for baseball than other sports? I mean, in baseball, it's it's a team game, but it relies on single people, you know, like like you know, it's not a team at bat, you know. Yeah. So, I think uh, it might be. I don't. I don't. Wouldn't say it's that different, honestly. I. It just depends on, I guess, their role, right? Because yeah. if you're bringing them in, you know, remember the movie Moneyball, mm-hmm. David Justice, another one of those guys are like, oh, he's too old, he can't field, he can't hit. What does he do? You he get, can get, you get, get, get on base. You get him at a good price. You can, I mean, something they can, there's something they can bring to the table. There's something they can bring to they, the table. And it might not be, it might be some a guy that was a power hitter like five years ago and now he's coming in as an on-base percentage guy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just they, the way they change their game. So, yeah, I, I agree that I think these veteran moves are they're good for the Royals, and I really hope Gerard Dyson has success specifically. I mean, he was so fun to watch. Um, you can look at the statistics, and, and you can show all the reasons for you know pessimism with uh, with Gerard Dyson. His sprint speed has gone down. He hasn't hit very well uh, as he's gotten older, and I understand that. But you know, just like we've been talking about, he has championship experience, and I think there's something to be said for that. He's also a very good defender. And so late in the games, if you want to take Whitmerfield out and put him at second base, you can put Dyson in as a defensive replacement. Mike Matheny can do a lot with the way that this roster is currently constructed. So to say I'm excited for opening day would be an understatement. One last thing I want to touch on for baseball. Did you see the Rangers are opening up capacity to 100% for opening day? We are close, my friend. We are close. I I, I tweeted, I don't know how to feel about it, but I'm just going to say I feel some way about it. But cool, man, it's... Good for you if you want to go. Uh, I think that's cool. I think every single stadium is going to be allowing fans in some sort of capacity. Mm-hmm. I even think in New York they are, which is a big stepping stone. So, you know what, baseball is right around the corner. Baseball is just not the same with no fans. I mean, sports aren't the same. Don't get that twisted. Yeah. It's not just baseball. You, I mean, I I remember plays and and the half the fun of watching sports is seeing like watching the crowd the go crazy after something happens. Like the reaction after Rayon hits a shot, all the white goes in the air. Yeah, that, that's that's the half the fun. But sports are sports are almost back to normal. We can we're done holding. It's, by the way, happy one year of everything shutting down. Three hundred sixty-five um, days. Look how far we've almost came. What is this like? Two hundred and day two hundred or no? I guess it's this day three sixty-five of the fifteen-day turnaround. There you go. Um, oh my goodness! Now it's time for America. Bringing light back to the situation. Favorite segment. Who let the dogs out? The dog of the week. Ryan Volk. My dog this week is the franchise tag. The franchise tag is a good and a bad thing. For some players, it's a good thing because because they get the chance to stick around for another year. But when you're guys like uh, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, the franchise tag is not what you want to be on. Justin Simmons is another one. Bronco safety. Yep. You are a high-level talent, a Pro Bowl receiver, Pro Bowl uh, free safety, Pro Bowl whoever, and you're getting franchise tagged? That sucks. But for a, a team, franchise tag is like you're like plan B, got it in my back pocket. It is your dog because when you don't necessarily, can't necessarily spend the money to keep them around, but hey, I'm just going to throw that at you. Boom, you're here. You, don't, you can't go anywhere. So that's my dog of the week. The franchise tag. Just talked about it. My dog of the week, Bobby Witt Jr., I already mentioned his stats. I'll say it again. 333 batting average, 360 on base, 583 
OPS. And a 484-foot nuke. That's all you got to really know, 480-foot home run off of Fernando Abad. If you haven't seen it, go to my Twitter. It's on there. Um, it's pretty amazing. The sound that comes off the bat is just... I saw somebody said it sounds like a, an M80 in uh, on, on the 4th of July. So I don't know. M80s sound a lot different than toilet bowls, I will say that. <laughs> hey, Bobby Witt Jr. and the franchise tag, congratulations. You're the dogs of the week. Um, that's always a fun one. Okay, biggest winner. Ryan, I'll have you, you started the last one, so you can go first again. Who's your biggest winner of the week? Now, it's not often we associate them with winning. But I think, you know, I really kind of regret that making them my winner because I did not know everything that was going on, like, behind it. So I was going to say KU as my winner, but I do rescind my statement because I thought once they got rid of Jeff Long, they are, like, surefire, like, okay, now we can kind of breathe. But I seem to forget about all the allegations. I seem to not we even... We can say football program. Okay. We can say the football program because maybe they're in the right direction. But I I am actually going to have to take the L on it this week because I did not come prepared. I Kansas University is not a good winner of the week because, let's face it, I tried to give them a win, and you can't really give KU a win. Well, let's just, Even when you feel bad for them. Okay, really so, so let's just say this. You, KU is going to be your winner, and they won, but the NCAA came, and they made them forfeit. So technically... They just can't win. They just yeah. yeah, it just doesn't count. Yeah. So like they won, but you know, they're so really not I, winners. I gave you guys the win, but the NCAA took it away. So okay. blame once again, blame the NCAA. For all of your problems, Absolutely. just like KU fans do right. Okay, yeah. NCAA and Big Twelve refs, you can blame it all everything on them. Um, my biggest winner of the week, college basketball fans. Congratulations. The Big Twelve tournament is back. The NCAA tournament next week will be back. The greatest two weeks in all of sports are here. College basketball fans can rejoice. That is unless, of course, you like K-State because they will not be participating. But, nonetheless, I'll be watching the games. Ryan and I will be watching the games. It'll be a lot of fun. College basketball fans, congratulations. You're my winners of the week. Ryan, biggest oh. loser. I'll, I'll start this one Oh, off. okay, okay. My biggest loser, David McCormick. Fitz stole my thunder. Sorry, David. Your team. The Kansas Jayhawks will be playing without you this weekend in Kansas City. You are in COVID protocol. That really stinks. Hopefully you'll be back for the NCAA tournament. That's a big loss. We got the game on right now. I mentioned OU had only scored 15 points at halftime. Well, now they're only down nine with 10 minutes to go. So that's anybody's game. After we get done off the air, go ahead, flip to ESPN. Make sure you're tuning in. Hopefully uh, the Sooners can come back. Not that I'm rooting for them or anything. You know, you just want to see a close game. So, uh, right. Uh, David McCormick, biggest loser of the week now. Ryan. What is your random stat of the week? Well, first of all, I don't remember getting to say my loser of the week. Oh, oh, of course, of so, course. I just I forgot here, you don't real take quick I here, forgot. My bad. Real Go quick ahead. here. Duke is my loser of the week <sighs> because, you know, of everything. They were, I don't know. I kind of I was Explain the situation. This. I was Explain reading the situation. Okay. So Duke um, in the ACC tournament, they have they went on to win in the first two rounds of the ACC tournament. On in, the bubble. This is not a good Duke yes, team. Let's throw they, it out. They there. they came in on the bubble. They were not This is not Duke of old. This is not Zion Duke. This is Duke that was needing a miracle to pull uh, pull off a miracle in the ACC tournament to even make the uh, big dance. And it looked, honestly, as it was coming in, that a miracle was going to happen because they made the semifinal game. They they were getting ready to go up against Florida State. They had beaten two really good teams, or two two decent teams, and they were coming in against Florida State, and boom. Good team, by the way. Florida State. Florida State, team. yes. That that would have been their, their test, their, their first yep. main test. And boom, COVID strikes again uh, due to a... I don't I don't know positive if it was a, a, it was a positive test. 
Duke had to uh, forfeit the ACC tournament, and there went their season. That really sucks, man. Could you imagine? No, uh, all the confidence in the world going into it. Like I said, they had came off two win- two straight wins to start the tournament. Your hopes were flying high, and then boom, you get the call. Damn. I mean, that's just as awful because two years in a row. Oh, yeah, no kidding. And what those kids go through, you know, every have gone through since August with testing and everything. Mm, that's just an awful way to end your season. I feel really bad for Duke. Um, Ryan, we- your random stat of the week. So, Gonzaga this season. Every year, Gonzaga really just pees me off because every year, for some reason, I just I always flip a coin for my bracket. And it always ends up Gonzaga's winning. And everyone that does a bracket knows Gonzaga's not winning the championship. I, I think they got a shot. So I hate her. Gonzaga. But anyway, Gonzaga has won 22 straight games by double digits. Now, by double can, digits? By double digits. Wow. Can you guess the first team, or the last team to do that? Let Is me guess. I'll give, I'll give you a year. 68-69. Nice. Uh, the University of San Francisco. California, Los Angeles. You were really close. Ooh, UCLA. Really close. UCLA back in 68, 69, won 21 games. Nice. So, my random stat. That's my stat. Oh, what, what is your stat? Are you going to go sit-ups this week instead of push-ups, or what are you doing here? Are you ready for this? This I, is this is pretty impressive, so you better be ready you, for this. It's more impressive than 10,000 <laughs> straight push-ups? Uh, yeah, it is, actually. My random stat of the week. From 2015 to 2016, Ben Smith from England ran 401 marathons in 401 days to raise money for victims of bullying. He ran a total of 10,506 miles. Ben Smith. 401 marathons, 401 days. That is my random status. So what's what's more, like, what's more, what's more of a feat? 10,000 straight push-ups or 400 straight days of running 28 miles? 10,000 miles over a span of 400 days or 10,000 straight push-ups? The questions we all want answered, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. I, I think that both of those are just absolutely insane to me. 10,000 miles? I know me personally. I don't know if four, I will do... I would. I, no way I could do the... Four, I can't even think about doing a half marathon. Could you imagine doing 401 marathons in 401 days? Cole, I went for a run around the block the other day, and my lungs were hurting. Well, there you go. So that would definitely not be our strong suit. Last thing before we got to get out of here, picks, Ryan, who wins the Big 12 tournament? Uh, I think our winner is going to come out of this next game between Baylor and Oklahoma State. That's who it is. I think Baylor's going to go on. I think Cade Cunningham, run, his run runs short. Okay. I, I'm going to take Baylor as well. Um, okay. Last other pick here then as the picks are segments are winding down. K-State baseball, we haven't talked about them. Four-game series. I'll go for this one. I think K-State baseball wins three games this weekend, improves their record to 11-5. and five. Those are my predictions, a.k.a. the kiss of death. Ryan, thank you so much for being on with me tonight. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe. Take care. Talk to you next week. Peace. More Alternative Up next here on Wildcat 91.9.